I'm Pastor Cameron, and we're glad that you're here worshiping the Lord Jesus with us. Thank you, worship team. That was an awesome job. Give him a hand. Wow. Thank you, Kathy. Kathy's going to be interpreting this morning for a guest we have. And um, we have a lot of special guests this morning. And uh, so I'm just not going to preach. I'm going to let them preach because Scott and Stephanie are here from New Day, South Carolina. Yes. <laughs> and uh, um, we have some other honored guests that we'll announce later in the service. But we want to turn it over and give Scott and Stephanie some time to share the word. Come on up. Yes. Oh, who's got all the microphones now? It's me. Good morning, everybody. It's so nice to be back here in Kalamazoo for uh, the first time in almost two years for me. Can you move your water out of the way? And um, is this other one on yet? It is? Okay, good. So, uh, yeah, it's just great to be back. And um, Richard Roy, where's Richard Roy? Is he in here? Was he first service? No, he wasn't. Was he? Yes. Well, move on to the next joke. Um, <laughs> no, we don't need that one. Uh, but yeah, things are going really well down there. Um, just the fact that we're able to take two weeks um, and not be there, two Sundays. It's the first time that we've been away, um, the whole family. And we just feel confident. We heard a report that last week went really well. Um, Dave and Amy were there for that one. But this Sunday, today, there's no one from Kalamazoo there. It's just wow. all people. Really? I mean, yeah, there are, there are people outside of Kalamazoo. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's, the church is on its own without... It's been church. like, you know, the first time you leave your baby. You know, everybody remember that experience? And, uh, you know, we kind of gave birth to this church and we fed it with our own milk, so to speak. That's for you, Graham, wherever you are. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And, and it, it's got to that point where it's weaned and we can move away and not move away but leave. And it's really amazing, really 14 months of doing Sunday mornings and it just felt like a completely amazing accomplishment to be able to go away. And we've taken four weeks off speaking. It's great. That's the, uh, very good. So yeah, thanks to all of you guys for your prayer and money that you said. <laughs> you said it in that order just to be spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Money's spiritual. Yeah, we appreciate it, and uh, things are going really well. We're, the church is growing. We're up to probably about 80 people on a Sunday morning, with kids included. It's probably a similar ratio to here, you know, a lot of kids and um, some adults to take care of those kids. So. <laughs> uh. so this morning we want to talk to you a little bit about faith. And um, uh, about 11 years ago, I had a dream and some of you have had me share this dream before, but it, the dream began where I was looking in a mirror, and it was an old antique mirror, kind of speckly, and I was looking in the mirror, and somebody came and stood behind me, and I could see the form of a face in the mirror, and as I looked closer, I could see a crown and hair, and then these eyes, and I knew it was the Lord Jesus. And in the dream, I was completely overwhelmed with this emotion and this presence, and then a voice behind me said, you can turn around and look at me. Now, a genuine encounter, a genuine visitation from the Lord in a dream should always resonate with the heartbeat of Scripture. And Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, now we see as in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. 
Now we know in part, but then we shall know him fully, even as we are fully known. And I had a preview of that in a dream, and I I turned around and I looked at him, and let me tell you, Jesus is beautiful. Like, in the dream, I remember going, like, just absolutely breathtaking beauty. And, you know, one day we're going to see him, and all of the things that have troubled us will seem very far away, and all of the things that made us happy will make sense, you know. And he is the greatest joy. And, um, and I was just marveling looking at him, and he was very matter-of-fact. He said, come on, like business, like come on. And he walked over, and there was a, like a living room area with some sofas, and he sat down, and I sat down opposite him, and he looked at me, and he said, let's play music. And I thought this was a, a kind of an odd thing to say, especially because there was no musical instruments in the room. But looking at him, I had the feeling that I couldn't doubt what he was saying. And I thought, well, you know, I may as well give this a go. So I stretched out my hands and started to move my fingers. And the most beautiful piano music sounded. And actually Jesus was like strumming a guitar, an invisible one, you know, we're jamming with Jesus. And and there were some other things he taught me in that dream, but I learned something about faith. That faith is the substance of things not seen, the expectation of things hoped for. And that uh, thought process that goes, okay, this looks crazy, but if you say it, I'll do it. That is uh, a thought process that is experienced right throughout biblical history. Of people who hear God ask them to do something, and in their natural mind they're saying, this cannot be right. And yet the natural mind is at enmity with the spiritual mind. And God wants us, above all things, to become spiritually minded. Because he who is spiritually minded has life and peace. And so God wants us to mature into that place where faith becomes first nature. You know, we all know the story of, um, uh, who was it? Jacob's wife. Rachel. Rachel. Who was the one who had two nations wrestling in her womb? Was it Rebecca? Rebecca. I didn't plan on saying this, see. No. And uh, she had two nations wrestling within her. And she received a prophetic word that said, you know, you have two nations. The Lord told her, you have two nations wrestling within you. And the younger will overcome the older. The second will overcome the first. And that's the journey we're all on, where we all have two nations wrestling within us. We have our old nature and our new nature, but the second nature, the born-again nature, must overcome. It must overcome. Amen? All right. Well, Faith, um, we had a couple speaking at our church uh, their name is Shannon and Mary. Shannon is the husband, and um, they have different names down there. Um, so, but they were talking about. Um, they can listen to this on the podcast. Yeah, they can. Shannon is a great name. Are there any women pregnant with the son? Um, so anyway, he made this point. He this comment. He said, um, "What?" I'm, th- I'm taking over Stephanie's position now, <laughs> saying awkward things <laughs> from the mic. <laughs> you judged me. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> he made this statement, and uh, he said, you know, more than, more than the devil wants our marriage, more than he wants our health, 
you know, he kind of listed off all these things that he could get his hands on to destroy. He said, he, the devil wants our faith. And, um, and the more that I thought about it, it kind of, that little word grew inside of me. And I, and I started to think, you know, he doesn't just want our faith like he wants to sabotage our faith in God. He actually wants our faith to be put into him. He wants us to believe in him more than we believe in God. That we would meditate on the faithfulness of the devil, you know, more than on the faithfulness of God. That we, you know, uh, the Lord told the children of Israel, remember these great works that I've done when he delivered them out of Egypt and did all these miracles. You know, tell the stories to your children so they don't forget. And um, the devil would like it if we told the stories of the destruction that he did in our life, if we focused and saw everything that he's done and everything that he could do and we paid attention to all the intimidation that he throws our way, if that became bigger to us, then, you know, we you know, we know that the devil's going to mess with us and let's pray that maybe God would come through, you know? <laughs> like maybe God will do something, you know? I guess he could. Uh, that's what the devil wants. He wants our faith in him to be put into him. Um, he wants everything that belongs to God. Okay, a couple things. Stephanie, did you mention it? Sorry, I didn't hear you. The faith is substance. Hebrews 11.1. 1, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's a couple things I want to say about faith. That Number one, faith is a substance. Yes. Right? It's, it is like a, a real material that you can put your hands on if you have faith, that is. Um, <laughs> but we need to view it that way. The, the reason that that's said there is because is it doesn't seem that way to us. But we need to change the way we think and perceive so that we believe it and we, we actually see it that way. Just like money is substance, if you have money, it is, <laughs> it is substance. <laughs> uh, we need to see it as something that is a real commodity that we could, we could lay our hands on and we could pick it up. Okay, the second thing is um, in Romans 12.3. We could look at that. Could we just get that on the screen? For a minute? Yeah, bam. All right. <laughs> for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. There's a sermon. Amen? Um, But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Um, And I just want to highlight that he says, with the measure of faith that's been given to you, there is a measure that you have been given and I have been given. So faith is a substance and you have been given some. You have a portion of faith that belongs to you. God gave it to you. And no one can take it from you. It's yours. It belongs to you. And now, what you do with that faith is actually your decision. God will not force you to put your faith in Him. He will, de- he will not demand that from you. It is in your hands what you will do with that. And the devil really wants you to put your faith in him and to focus on what he can do and what he has done and um, 
what he's maybe doing right now. Um, and it's kind of like with money, you know, that there's a lot of financial institutions. And if you say you had some cash <laughs> at home, you could decide where you would invest that money. But none of those institutions at this point have the right to come to your house and take that from you. Right? They, yeah, at this point. I mean, you could maybe go sit down in their office and they could maybe do some persuasive sales techniques and maybe try to talk you and convince you or even deceive you into investing in their institution. But at the end of the day, it's, it's your freedom. It's your possession. And you're going to do with it what you want. And wherever you invest that money, you are going to enable that institution to carry out uh, their goals and their vision. You're enabling, I mean, you're going to get some reward, but you're actually enabling them to do what they want to do. And it's the same thing with, with our faith. You know, it seems sometimes like the way life has turned out that we're almost obligated to believe certain things about the way that life is going to go from here on. Right? Through the trials and the bad times and the way we've been hurt. Uh, you know, even what we see, you could look at everything around you. And it feels like common sense demands that we put our faith in this place. But nothing demands. It is your choice. Yes. You have to take responsibility. And even when it looks foolish, we are responsible and called to put that faith into God yeah. and into what he says. And, um, and we enable him to fulfill his goal, what he is called to do. Um, so, yeah. Scripture says that it's impossible to please God without faith. You know, faith is like the access code to heaven. And um, I was just thinking this morning that every relationship has an atmosphere. Like if you were to go hang out with Cameron, uh, there's an atmosphere in hanging out with him in his conversation. Cameron makes me laugh. He's encouraging. And you benefit from that atmosphere. And wherever we put our faith, there is an atmosphere that comes with that. For example, if we have our faith in the Father of Lights, the atmosphere of that is encouragement. He is the Father of all consolation. He, encouragement flows out of him and comfort. He is a light. He is love that casts out fear. And it's uplifting to be with him. But if you're connected through faith with the father of lies, the atmosphere of that is accusation and anxiety and fear and to be troubled. You know? And God wants us to be connected with our faith to him. Now, God is interested in our faith. It pleases him a lot. And so he is committed to um, helping us grow in our faith and refining our faith so that it would become better. And he has a way of doing this, which I'm not too fond of, but I'll share it with you. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Anyway, we don't have one of these cool things inside. We're kind of backward in the South. We just have pieces of paper, and, and then Dave decides at last minute he might do another song, and no, he doesn't really. So, anyways, here we go. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, actually. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, everybody say for a little while. 
if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Anybody been grieved by various trials? In fact, James in chapter 1 writes, Count it all joy when you suffer trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. He goes on here, That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God is going to refine your faith through trials because in the end, his son is going to get all the glory. And you know, there are people who have been through trials that will never touch you. You know, you think of somebody, just this morning it was come back to me, Madame Goyon, who was a, um, one of the French mystics back in the 17th or 18th century, I don't remember the dates, but she had an incredible passion for the Lord and would write these books that began to sweep across France. And the Catholic Church did not like her because she was bringing some of the Protestant freedoms and emphasis on personal relationship with God. And she um, was jailed in the Bastille, one of the most feared prisons in France for years. In the, they put her in the worst dungeon, in the center dungeon. She was in darkness, in toil, separated from her children. And you know what she wrote of her time? She said, that cell, that dungeon became to me the sweetest place on earth. (laughs) You know, wow! Because she found him. She found him in that place. There's nowhere. You go to the depths of the sea or the highest mountain and he is there. Come on! Give Jesus a shout this morning. You can't go anywhere. I'm all seven now. <laughs> Get me a hairstyle of somebody. And good morning. Anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. I know. And Psalm 84 says this. And I love this scripture. <laughs> no, he's a good man. <clears throat> Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. You know, your faith will strengthen you. Your faith will strengthen you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, O Lord. And then what does it go? (laughs) Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. There you go. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. The keynote of your life needs to be this. You are on a journey, and that journey is only partially about being on this earth. Okay, your heart is set on pilgrimage. That means that as you pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping and hardship, they make it a spring. You will encounter springs of life even in the hardest, lowest places. And you will go from strength to strength. And then it says, each one appears before God in Zion. One day you are going to see Jesus face to face. And it is going to be absolutely amazing. And you are going to say, what was I bothered about? <laughs> you know, when you're worried about something, maybe concerned about the wedding, or you think all the things that could go wrong, and then you arrive there, and everything's great. And you say, what was I worried about? Yeah. That's what it's going to be like when Jesus breaks through the skies and the last trumpet calls. We'll just go, wow, what was I worried about? He's amazing. He's better than I expected. He's wonderful. Oh, we're going to dance and eat good food and have fun and judge angels and help govern the new Jerusalem and it's going to be fabulous it's going to be everything God ever wanted for us and yet in this time there will be various trials (laughs) that prepare us to rule and reign with him 
And we have various trials. And we need to be so careful. You know, I've watched people go through trials, right? And they come out and they're either more like Jesus or more like jaded. (laughs) You know, people come out of trials bitter and disappointed. And I understand that. But you cannot stay there. Because if disappointment begins to set the course of your journey, you are going to end up in the wrong place. And one of the stories I I, I love so much in Scripture is the story of where Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus would not die. And then what happened? Have you ever had God tell you something and, and then it doesn't happen? You need to stick around for the whole story. Because it's not over until it's over. It is not over until it's over. And we need to learn to persevere even when everything falls flat. And we're in one of these right now, actually. The Lord said to us last year, the Lord spoke to us clearly, I want you to put Sam, our seven-year-old, in this private school for first grade. But it was $300 a month, right? So we're like, okay. And God says to us, you put him in for me, because that's where I want him, and I will give you the money. All right, that looks a bit ridiculous. He's like Peter stepping out of the boat. Lord, if this is you, tell me. This looks weird, but I've been around you long enough to know that what you say means more than what I see. Okay? All right, well, God, the thing is, this Friday, in three days, we need $1,000 to pay for his uniform, the administration fee and the first month fees and his enrollment fee. A thousand bucks. We didn't have it. So Friday afternoon, it's got to be in by four, two in the afternoon, we're sitting in a coffee shop working on our sermon for Sunday. We get a Skype, uh, you know, everybody knows what Skype is, right? A little message over the internet from some friends of ours in Toronto who were coming to visit us in a week's time. Hey, you guys, um, you know we're coming to see you in a week and we just want to let you know we, we really have it on our heart to give you some money. And, you know, the guy's saying, and my wife feels that we need to tell you today. I don't know why we were just going to give it to you when we came. But I just want you to know we're going to give you $1,000 next week. Yeah. Oh, wow. So Scott rang the school and said, can we pay next week? So now you're full of faith. Yes, the Lord's going to provide. The first month comes around and the school fee bill comes in. And what do you know? $300 comes out the blue from uh, Bob and Sue Brera actually gave us 300 bucks cash. I oh, just want to bless you. <sighs> Praise the Lord. First month fees. Second month rolls around. What do you know? $300 comes in from out of nowhere. Third month comes along. $300 does not come out of nowhere. So we pay the fees. Then next month, $600 comes out of nowhere. Yes! Next month, money doesn't come. 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 Next thing, we've paid $1,600 to do something that God said he was going to do. But you know what? You could not shake me. I know he's going to pay the school fees. <laughs> and you know what? You've got, we've got to learn to persevere, people. This is a big deal. Yes. Because yes. perseverance is like a framework inside you that will not let you collapse when these moments come. Because you rehearse your victories. You know, I just think about... Ten days before we were going to start Sunday mornings, and we'd been borrowing a sound system off another church in Somerville, and Sunday, first Sunday morning is coming. We have a couple of thousand dollars in the church account, but we need to buy sound equipment, we need chairs, we need all the stuff we need to make it a Sunday morning church. 
And here we are, eight days before we go to Sunday mornings. And Scott goes out to the mailbox and pulls out an envelope. And there's a check in there for $15,000 from somebody we haven't seen for 11 years who thought, I wonder what Scott and Stephanie Jones are doing, and Googled our name, happened upon the YouTube videos, just happens to be speaking rich, (laughs) and just kind of feels like he might send us $15,000 to bless the church. Come on, give the Lord, I mean, come on. Is that amazing? That is amazing. Okay, so God has done some amazing things for you. Don't lock them in a cupboard. Get them out, put them on the table, and talk about them every day to yourself until there's a framework inside of you that it doesn't matter what happens, you will not give up. Woo! belts on. Um, (laughs) If you're in this room and you're still breathing, (laughs) then you haven't finished the race. And there's still something there. And what Stephanie's talking about is it's not just about surviving and it's not just about getting by, but it's about apprehending the promises of God. Right? Whether that's something personal that God spoke to you or whether it's the Great Commission that Jesus said, go out and you know, preach the gospel to the whole earth. And you know, we were made to take dominion. Right? Back in the garden, that was what God spoke to Adam and Eve. Take dominion. And what was, what was the greatest thing, what was the greatest opportunity for that in that setting? It was when the serpent came and said... You know, did God really speak to you? Did God really... Are you sure God spoke to you and gave you some instructions? Because, you know, I see it a little bit differently. That was their greatest moment to take dominion. That's right. Right? Yeah, and when we fall into trials and temptations, that that is the opportunity for us to take dominion. And if we backed away from that, and we, if we never experienced victory over the devil, we would not, we'd be missing out on so much. It feels so good when the enemy comes to take you down and you overcome him. Yes. It feels amazing. And it's not just a personal victory. It's you're fulfilling the purposes of God. Yes. You are fulfilling the will of God. And... Um, and so many times, the enemy, he's doing the same thing. He's coming to us, oh, did, did God really speak to you? Did, you? did he really do a miracle in the past? Did he really, is he really the one that rescued you that one time? Or was that just a, a check that came in the mail and, you know, let's explain it all and it, it all makes sense. He wants to take down everything that God has done so that we would believe in him. When... When the children of Israel were about to enter the promised land, the spies came back and two of them said, it's really tricky, it's really difficult, but it's really good, and with God we can do it. And ten of them kind of brought this report, like it's too hard, you know, and they started whining and you know, sounded like us driving up here with the kids. And, um, that was a trial, people. That was a, and, but that was like a really... 
important moment for them of who are they going to believe. And who they were going to believe determined what action they were going to take. And what action they were going to take determined what they got in return. Because God, He promised them this whole thing. Like, it was their land. For hundreds of years, it's like, this is the promised land. It's yours. Here you go. It belongs to you. But they had to fight for it. That's right. Right? It wasn't like, okay, let's just hang out here and see what happens. They had to engage and they had to fight. But they had to first, they had to believe that God was calling them to it. They had to believe the promise. And, um, and so we're talking about where are we going to deposit our faith? You know, that's the first step. What report are we going to believe? And a lot of times, something that is really good and really amazing and really a gift and a promise from God also looks very scary and impossible and discouraging. Right? But we're called to dominion. We're called to take dominion and subdue the earth. We're called to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth. And um, to bring that atmosphere with us. And so, they had to fight for it. And for us, there are opportunities and promises before each of us. But you have to fight for it. You have to hear it. You have to believe it. And then you have to step out. And, you know, with God, with his leading, with his grace, you know, not alone, but you have to fight for it. You know, even in America, we're surrounded by so much opportunity. But you see very few people taking a hold of the opportunity that's available. Just in the natural. But you'll see uh, someone move from another country, and they're on it, you know. It's like they've got a convenience store, their whole family's working there, they've got their own business, and then pretty soon they've got two, and pretty soon they've got three. Because they are taking the opportunity. It's hard work that they are fighting for. They're fighting to take it. And for us, we have an inheritance in the Lord. We have promises in God. Uh, some of that we have not even seen yet. We've not seen it fulfilled. Well, you've got to guess what? It's yours. It belongs to you. God gave it to you. It's already yours. But now you've got to go fight for it. Right? And he'll be with you the whole time. He'll lead you into that. So, let's just stand up and pray for a minute. And then um, we're not done with the service. um, Because we've got some announcements. But, you know, I feel like for some of us, we've invested some of our faith into the enemy's banking system. And we spend a lot of time maybe meditating on what he has done, or what he might do, or what he could do what he is doing right now. And we are investing our faith, believing that he's, he's faithful to do his bad stuff. And, sorry, Lord. That's all we're time. <laughs> so let's, very quickly, withdraw. <laughs> let's withdraw our faith. It's your faith. God gave it to you. You withdraw that. Right? Even though it doesn't make sense sometimes. And let's deposit it into God. And sometimes faith in God looks like, God, I have no idea 
how what you could do to make this better, but I'll just believe that you can. Okay? That's a great starting point. God, (laughs) here we are. We present ourselves to you. You, Our whole life is open to you, and nothing is hidden. The secret place is is naked before you, God. Everything. And we just... We just say that we want all of our faith in you. And we withdraw our faith from the devil and his faithfulness. He is a liar and a cheat. And he's only trying to steal from us and from you. And to the best of our ability, we deposit all of our faith, Lord, into you. Even though it's mysterious and unpredictable... And even though sometimes it's through the valley of the shadow of death that we have to walk, we trust that you put a table there for us. We trust that you give us a banquet in front of our enemies. We trust that you lead us to the green pastures, to the still waters. And, and we don't understand it all, but we choose to deposit all of our faith in you, Lord Jesus. Father, and we just ask for a measure of grace to be released for all of us who are going through various trials. God, release that grace. Release the autumn rains that it may make pools in those valley places and that we may come out of the valley of Bacchus stronger, 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 that we might go from strength to strength knowing that one day we will appear before you in Zion. And what a glorious day. And God, your word says that we should um, rest our hope fully upon the revelation that is to be brought to us at the coming of Jesus Christ. And I release to this house today the grace to rest your hope fully on the revelation that will be yours at the coming of Jesus Christ. You will not miss it. Mm -hmm. And God, I just pray for uh, grace, 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 grace in Jesus' name. Yeah, you know the um, if we long for something that becomes a distraction to God, it's an idol. But if we long for something that He's promised us, it glorifies the Lord that we would fulfill it. It glorifies Him. And I just want you to close your eyes for one second, and we'll be done. And just if if you already know what that is that you've been longing for, what is the promise that you've been longing for, and you feel like? God has given that to you. It's like, I want to see this happen. Just picture it before you. It's yours. If it's, a, if it's a promise from God, it's yours. No, We don't know how much preparation or how much fighting you'll have to do to get it, but don't let go of it. Lord, let it come. God, let the promise come because we want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And those, we know that those promises are heavenly promises that will birth the kingdom of heaven here in our lives that would glorify your name and reveal who you really are to the people around us. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to do one more thing with this, this particular prayer. We're going to, and I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, we're going to shout. We're going to call forth that thing that we saw in our mind's eye. Whatever it is, and we're gonna we're gonna do it exuberantly and as if we are believing it's running our way. Okay? So can you can you put your faith into your shouts? Let everybody kinda imagine here's my portion of faith 
And now I am going to put it behind my shadow. I'm going to call that thing forth. Okay, ready? Is everybody going to do this? One, two, three. Ah! We want our house. Jesus, we call for the house. And millions and millions of dollars in Jesus' name. Woo! We want your love. There's more. There's more. There's more in the house. We want it, Jesus. Okay, now we're going to thank him for it. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to do it. We love you. You're amazing. We absolutely adore you. You're amazing. Amen. Woo. All right, give them a hand. Thank you, guys. They have come back and given us a deposit, right?